today on Ag News Daily. And then at the beginning of this year, 2023, we officially just opened doors so you can literally enroll in Elevate Ag, the online course at any time. Up on Friday edition. February 3rd, 2023, Tanner and Delaney here to bring you the latest headlines in and across the agricultural sector. Delaney, are you uh, frozen to the bone this morning? Yes. You know what? I was in Kansas yesterday for a speaking event and it was actually kind of spring-like there and it, it uh, poisoned me a little because then when I got into Nebraska and Iowa, I stepped out of my truck and it was drastically colder, Tanner. Oh, substantially. I think I woke up to uh, seeing negative 17. Oh, no. Really early this morning on my watch. That was plenty cold. That's that's not ideal. Not ideal, Tanner. No, but at least we don't live in northern Minnesota or northeastern Montana. They saw lows as low as minus 50 degrees last night. And of course, the National Weather Service still has advisories and warnings in effect for most of the northern Midwest, stretching from that eastern Montana all the way to the northeastern border of the United States. So it looks like wind chills and low temperatures could continue to be an issue as we go through the rest of today. But good news, looks like there's a warm up coming this weekend. Okay, well, good. That's a good time to get out there then and get some things done. Not today so much, it sounds like. No, this is a good office day. Good office day indeed. But speaking of weather, Tanner, we saw some good rainfall in Argentina late last week and have the latest Buenos Aires Grain Exchange crop conditions report. Corn ratings increased 10 percentage points, now 22% good to excellent, while poor ratings fell 7% and are now at 32% poor conditions. So a little bit of a mixed bag there for corn. As far as soybeans go, they got a 5 percentage point increase for good ratings, now at 12%, and a fall of... Poor ratings by 8%, now 46% in the poor condition. So these crops are still in worse shape than they were at this time last year, but they are starting to see, like we mentioned there, a little bit of an uptick in more crops considered good condition. But as far as production numbers go, Tanner, this crop still remains on track, according to most analysts, for some of the lowest production numbers we've seen out of Argentina in quite some time. Yeah, that uh, will be interesting. And the uptick area will be uh, one for us to continue to monitor to see if that is the trend that continues to follow. We did see an uptick of Republican involvement on a couple of committees, especially the House Ways and Means panel. Tax policy geared towards farmers and others that are transferring land and assets to their heirs will get a renewed focus this year due to those additional seats on the Ways and, Commit- the Ways and Means Committee panel. Chairman Jason Smith, Republican out of Missouri, states that he himself is a champion for the working families, small businesses, and farmers. The retirement of former Republican Kevin Brady from Texas, whose district included the Houston suburbs and the exit of Tom Rice, who included Myrtle Beach in his constituents, were replaced with Randy Feenstra, a Republican from Iowa, and Claudia Tinney, the Republican from New York, 
a rural area of New York, will put a focus, Delaney, on stepped-up basis tax rules and reduce the capital gains tax on inherited property. So the Joint Committee on Taxation has noted that this will also be a focus of theirs. This will not go without scrutiny and come under fire because a lot of lawmakers have stated that the non-taxation of these transactions costs the government $40 billion per year in tax revenue. So it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to stick to their guns. But right now, legislation is looking to be proposed that would maybe tag along with the upcoming farm bill or on its standalone, said Feenstra. This is a great opportunity for the Ways and Means Committee to work with the farmers and members of Agricultural Committee. So that way we can make sure that we conserve the integrity of agriculture in our country. So it looks like some good focus coming out of Washington, D.C., Delaney, and hopefully we can get some strong bills or at least attached to some legislation for the protection of the future of our farms and listeners. Well, Tanner, this isn't necessarily legislative because there is no bill officially tied or act tied to it, but apparently quite a few folks in Congress have been pressing Biden officials to make some decisions here during the recent Mexico corn trade issue farm bill hearing, specifically Senator Chuck Grassley here from Iowa, of course, pressed the administration very hard when it came to Mexico corn and exports there. He said with over 90 percent of the corn acreage in the United States being planted to biotech seeds and Mexico being the number one purchaser of corn, I'm concerned that this decree is not being met with the urgency it deserves. He, as well as many other Midwestern Corn Belt state senators pushed the Biden administration for some sort of response here. And USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agricultural Affairs Alexis Taylor responded by saying, quote, we are engaging with urgency on this issue. We certainly appreciate the potential impact that the proposed decree could have on our corn growers here in the United States. But much broader than that, fundamentally, our global trade system also within USMCA is built upon science-based policies. So a little bit of a non-answer there, Tanner, but she did stress to those present at the hearing that she was working with others under USMCA to continue to enforce that. And she would also work closely with the Senate Ag panel on this issue specifically. Grassley pressed her a little bit harder and asked whether she had a timeline for the negotiations. And she said they've been very clear that the USMCA gives them a process to go down if they can't find a resolution on this issue, which is what we have seen. Bill Sack Echo, um, not threateningly, perhaps, but definitely has mentioned, hey, we will enforce this if we have to. And Alexis Taylor continued to emphasize that same line of thought, Tanner. So not really newsworthy, but just thought I would mention that that is in the headlines here today. Yeah, I had seen that one as well. I'm glad that you shared that. Uh, we do know that some of our corn growers may be looking at a little bit of drought relief due to the extra participate precipitation that we have seen, not participation. You know, we uh, can't do a lot of corn planting here in the middle of the winter. But the special drought assessment report coming from the NRCS stated that uh, nine atmospheric river events have added snow and water equivalents to the California region 
California region is now at 215% of normal. The Great Basin is at 206% of normal, and the upper and lower Colorado River basins are 146 and 218% of normal for levels of snow and moisture for this time of the year, Delaney. So great news there. However, it is still yet to be seen if the areas of drought, including Northwest Iowa, are going to be able to take advantage of the snowfall and moisture that has come late December and throughout the month of January because of frozen ground conditions. The outlook is still notably variable. According to the NRCS, the Midwest Drought Assessment states that 19% of the Midwest region is in drought, moderate to exceptional, and 28 is less, 28, which is 28% less than eight weeks ago in November. However, the improvement in some of these areas may not be lasting very long once the ground thaws out, Delaney, because it is yet to be seen how much of that moisture has truly replenished the soil profile. The precipitation is obviously helpful and adds water, but the ability to improve drought and replenish that soil moisture is very limited when the ground is frozen, says uh, scientists with the NRCS. So it looks like We've had some good precipitation in areas that needed it, Delaney. I know we've been reporting on those storms throughout the year, but officially now the NRCS is coming out saying that uh, we could look at some really good opportunities to replenish some of those soil profiles. Their forecast through the spring includes really good precipitation. Boy, it's a Friday morning struggling with that word today, Delaney, but that forecast looks really good for the Ohio Valley and the Great Lakes, so two regions we had not touched on yet. So it looks like as far as moisture goes and drought easing, we are pointed in the right direction for good news. Well, Tanner, we're also pointed in the right direction for good news here for the cattle industry. Of course, the NCBA convention is going on this week and the cattle facts. Uh, session was held. I believe it's usually held on either Thursday morning early first thing or Friday morning early first thing. But regardless, we have some headlines here out of that cattle facts meeting. And the headline, Tanner, is that 2023 could bring record cattle prices for the beef industry. Now, there's a few reasons behind why they're suggesting this might be the case. They said, first and foremost, this forecast comes after two years of herd liquidation, primarily as a result of some of that widespread drought that we've been reporting on in the Great Plains and the West. They also said that the nation's cows were, that were in a drought zone reduced by about 50%, leading to a 13.5% culling rate across the industry. That's the highest we've ever seen, Tanner. As far as slaughter numbers of both cows and finished cattle, those, of course, will be shrinking in 2023. But as far as specific forecasts go, they're expecting fed cattle to be at a 150 to 172 per hundred weight trading range with an average of 158 for last year. So that's up pretty significantly. Highest prices, of course, should come early summer and then again later in the year. The 550 pound calves, they're expecting those to range in price from 200 and to 250. Cool cows after last year's sell-off won't be a lot in the herd, they said. And uh, the demand for grinding hamburger right now is high. Prices will jump to $100 per hundredweight, $20 above last year. And lastly, for the bread cow market, the nation's cow herd is set to rebuild over the next several years. 
but that'll take some time. And they said in the meantime, the demand for bred cows and heifers and even cow calf pairs will also shoot up. They said good quality breeding cattle can bring anywhere from 1900 to 2300 tanners. So even with inflation, they're saying beef demand is strong. And the fact that we've had this liquidation in the herd the last couple of years, that's going to be really favorable for the protein market. Yeah, most certainly. I think a lot of those producers only have a concern over what it will cost to feed those animals, but it looks like at least there's some positive news on the direction for the value of them. Ethanol production is continuing to rise. The output was the highest level in the last six weeks, and we've got strong uses as our stockpiles declined. Production for the biofuel in the seven days ending January 26th rose to an average of 1.028 million barrels per day. That's up from 1.012 the week before. Ethanol inventories dropped to 24.4 million barrels last week. That's down from the 25.077 million barrels the week before. Production again was by far the heaviest in the Midwest region, but uh, that was pretty much the only area that posted gains in production. The West Coast and East Coast remained at their unchanged average from the week over week production. So strong work here in the Midwest, even though some of the weather conditions were a little bit challenging, Delaney. That certainly seems to be the case, Tanner. And I haven't dug too much into this headline yet, but it appears that the EPA has well, not the EPA, I apologize. The Fifth Circuit Court has allowed a stay for a couple of refineries and their required blending under the RFA. Two small refineries will not be required to blend more ethanol to comply with their 2021 obligations under the renewable fuel standard after a federal appeals court issued a stay on some of those pending appeals on EPA's retroactive rejection of small refinery exemptions. So like I said, haven't dug too much into this yet, but on June of last year, the EPA denied 69 small refinery exemption waivers. And those years were from 2016 to 2021. Apparently two of them have appealed that and have been issued a stay tanner. I'll hopefully have some time to dig more into this and give our listeners an update next week. Hey, that sounds good. Last little headline that I've got today is a new strategic partnership between Bayer and Kimtech will now be, it has been announced and will now focus on biological crop protection and biostimulant development for commercialization. The global agreement will make these companies key partners in advancing and establishing biological solutions derived from natural sources. So that is one, two that I'm sure we will see more coming out of Delaney, but we have a jobs report that's going to be released today. And we saw interest rates go up yesterday. So how are the markets reacting to that? Well, Tanner, markets are trading to the negative to here this morning as we head into the opening bell. March corn down two and a half cents at 672. New crop corn down a penny and three quarters at 593 and a quarter. In the soybean pits, the weakness continues with the March contract down four and a quarter cent in the overnight at 1530. New crop beans down three and a half cents at 1367. Wheat is also still trading to the downside here as we round out this Friday morning. It'll be interesting to see how. Positions are squared up heading into the weekend, but the March winter wheat contract 
is down 11 and three quarters sunset 869. Tanner, did having everyone in an NCBA this week do anything to boost the commodity markets for cattle? It certainly did. April live cattle up $1.60 in the overnight at $1.6382. March feeders added $2.67 and are opening at $1.8592. And even lean hogs gained a little bit of positive momentum here this morning. April will open $1.70 higher at $86 on the nose. Tanner, there is a new show, we'll call it, coming to the ag industry. So without further ado, let's kick it over to hear more about what's coming down the pipeline. Joining us today on the Ag News Daily Podcast is Tara Vandudesen and Natalie Kovarik, the co-founders of Elevate Ag and co-hosts of the Discover Ag Podcast. Jumping right into it with both of you this morning, what is Elevate Ag and how did the two of you join forces to be able to develop it? So Elevate Ag Ag in its simplest form is an online course, which means it's videos that you watch as well as a workbook you go through that really teaches farmers and ranchers how to share online, um, get comfortable sharing online, um, and if they choose monetize online too. So it's really meant to help you get that social presence across a variety of platforms um, so you can share your story or your business. As far as how we came together, uh, Tara and I have both shared individually online for quite a while now. Um, And I think we were just naturally drawn to each other's missions and we had a really unique opportunity and Tara kind of had this great idea to come together and create this online course. And so we did. Amazing. And going on top of that, out of your course offerings, what would you say have been the most successful options? Looking through your website, it seems like you have multiple options for anyone interested to participate in. Yeah, we do have a couple different options. I would say our most popular is our full course that um, is kind of what Natalie describes. It takes you through the entire process of Um, what it looks like to share online, setting up your business, kind of what your mission is, um, and ultimately how to monetize. But we have broken down our offering into some what we call mini courses where we focus on a certain topic that people can just dive into one topic like brand partnerships. So that'd be like kind of how to monetize uh, your social following and then um, speaking. So how to give a speech, how to prepare public speaking, how to set your rates. Uh, And then we have a mini course on just Instagram as well. So if you are just looking to start sharing on Instagram and really want to like tackle all of the things Instagram, that would be a great course option for you. And so those are kind of priced accordingly based on, you know, how, how, how large the offering is and versus how small, just to give a few different options for people looking to um, invest in themselves. Amazing. And then I was skimming through earlier this morning between all of your course options, I did notice there was one that people had to apply for and they had an opportunity to go down to Texas. Could you talk a little bit more about that opportunity? Yeah, so that was our, we called it a summit uh, mastermind and it was a really small collective group. Um, and it was, you know, we believe uh, there's a place for an online course because obviously the the benefits to our, our access, right? So everyone can purchase that, whether you, you know, can travel to Texas or not. And it's also a lot more affordable. So we really believe passionately that we wanted to offer, you know, both options, this online course that everyone has access to, um, but also this in-person offering, um, because there's a lot of magic that can happen when you get in a small room, you know, with minds that are all working together to kind of 
problem solve and business, you know, grow. And, um, it was really magical. It was over two days and it also had like calls, um, to hold you accountable. So it took, um, the entire span was about two months long. Um, and it was just a really neat, um, kind of more in depth, um, offering we had versus the, the online course option. Uh, our course is definitely um, focused on agriculture, like within the agriculture community, but I don't think you have to be like a farmer or rancher to take our course. Um, we've had several people just in the allied industry uh, around agriculture that have taken our course just to help them really understand how they can better like, utilize social media in, for their business, for their personal brand, or just for general advocating. Absolutely. And how did you, or I guess, sorry, let me reword this. What is the history of Elevate Ag look like? How did you develop all of your different um, education courses to be able to get to where you're standing now? So, uh, as I mentioned, Tara and I have been sharing for quite a while. So we have lived and breathed, uh, you know, all the material that we put out there. And that was actually the birth of it. I think a lot of people who are following us um, on our different platforms were asking or wanting to do similar things to us, whether that was just like Tara kind of mentioned, maybe it's just advocating for the industry, kind of taking a more stance to share about agriculture and connect with consumers. Maybe they were interested in, um, you know, bringing in another income to their operation. And so they wanted to do direct to consumer beef or they wanted to do brand partnerships or public speaking. And so they were kind of coming to us and asking these questions like, how, how should I get started? You know, what are your best tips? Um, and I think Tara and I recognize that instead of spending time, you know, individually answering all those questions one-on-one, there would be a lot of benefit in us in taking all of our collaborative knowledge and really housing it in one place, which is what became our online course. And then it's accompanying face, excuse me, the accompanying Facebook portion of it, which is what we call our community. <clears throat> We actually started that. Um, we wrote the whole curriculum at the very end of uh, what was it, 2021? Uh, and then we launched it at the beginning of 2022. And then we kind of did um, launches throughout the whole year of 2022. They were open and closed. That allowed us to. So that meant you enrolled. You could only enroll and join the course at a you know a certain period where we opened the doors and then we closed it. That really allowed us to do a lot of like one-on-one connecting with our students, really get a lot of feedback about the course, really tailor it, shift it, change it, make anything we needed to do to really get this great product that we were really, really proud of. And then at the beginning of this year, 2023, we officially just opened doors. So you can literally enroll and elevate Ag, the online course at any time. Um, there is a cost associated with the full course and a cost associated with the mini courses. We also have our Facebook community, which we opened up in 2023, and that is free. So for anyone listening who maybe doesn't have the monetary investment to make right now into one of the courses, I would 100% recommend joining our Facebook group because that is free. And there is a ton of um, ton of people in there who are you know, maybe doing the same thing as you. It's just a really collaborative space to go ask questions, get answers, um, and really just help build each other up in the ag industry. Yes, absolutely. And I was thinking, looking through the website that there are so many opportunities for people of all different ways they can afford and even your Facebook page too. But also on your website, there's a mention of your podcast, Discover Ag. Could you tell me a little bit more about what Discover Ag is? Yeah, so Discover Ag is something we started in 2022. And um, what it essentially is, is we share different news articles in the ag and food space, like trending articles, have great discussions around them. um, And just kind of it's what you need to know what's happening in the world of agriculture right now. 
Uh, some of the topics are around, you know, sustainability. We talk a lot about animal agriculture, like beef production and dairy, because that's obviously our background, as well as just what's going on in the food space. Um, so there's a lot of really fun conversations around that um, on the Discover Ag podcast. And out of the Discover Ag podcast and your Elevate Ag business, what successes have you seen come out of clients and listeners? Oh, a ton. It's actually so rewarding to see, you know, when people take who have taken our online course, take us and kind of say the difference it's made. Maybe it's the bottom line of their operation. We had a direct to consumer um, lady who before she took our course, they were actually going to have to sell out. Um, and then after our course, they were able they actually um, fulfilled um, all of their entire orders and were able to keep continuing with the direct to consumer side of their business. And so um, that's just one of many examples. We have a lot of people who go on to successfully land brand partnerships. A lot of people um, go on to, you know, get on the stage and do public speaking. Um, a lot of them are starting their own little businesses. Um, you know, we helped like a bookkeeper get up and use social media presence to her benefit. We've helped people launch maybe on their own online courses. We have someone who's taking like, she's really avid canning and gardening and she's really propelled that into kind of her own business through things. So um, I always love to say that the, you know, social media, the online world is really untapped as far as what you want to do with it. And it's really rewarding for Tara and I to like play a small role in like helping you get that social presence built so that you can do whatever it is you want to do in the online world. And out of seeing all of the successes, out of what you just said, and so many more, what would you say is the best single piece of advice you could give to anyone wanting to get into public speaking, social media, podcasting, anything of that sort? Oh, I'll go first and then I'll let Natalie jump in. But I think you just have to get started. I really think that um, a lot of it, we we tell ourselves, like we make excuses for why we can't do something or why we can't start something. And truly like just getting started uh, is the foundation for it. I mean, you're are you going to start and do it all perfect? No. Or are you going to make a lot of mistakes along the way? Um, yeah, probably. But you're going to learn from all of that and just continue to grow every single day, every opportunity. Uh, and there are so many incredible opportunities that come from from sharing online, telling your story. Um, and so just getting started, I think would be my piece of advice. And my piece of advice would be to really commit. So I think there are a lot of people who maybe put one foot in or one foot out or like to share, but not totally share. Maybe they're afraid with like, you know, public perception of that, or maybe they're afraid of like ridicule or negativity that would come with it there. I mean, there's a lot of emotion built around like opening up essentially your home, your operation, your family to sharing online. Um, but I think you're never really going to see true results or success unless you fully commit. You'll hear Tara and I talk um, multiple times throughout the course about how if you treat these things like a business, they will pay you like a business. Um, and you wouldn't, you know, open up a restaurant and not fully commit to it, you know, only open on certain hours or kind of be like, yeah, I, I kind of have a, a an occasional restaurant I run. So my recommendation is if anyone is trying to use social media, whether that's for a business, whether it's to promote your seed stock operation, um, whether it is, you know, to maybe even sell your cow calf guy and you want to just get more brand awareness around what you have going on for anyone or if farmers. I mean, there's so much potential to use this marketing tool. That's what social media is. Um, but you really need to commit to it. You really need to believe in what you're doing and you got to put a lot of um, that work and hours that goes with the commitment into it. That is amazing advice. And coming from an ag journalism major at Iowa State right now, I know that that is advice that I can be able to apply to my life now and in the future when I get into the professional world more. And finally, just one last question to wrap it all up. 
How can listeners find you on the internet or social media if they want to be able to learn more about both Elevate Ag and Discover Ag? Yeah, so for Elevate Ag, you can find us um, at elevateyouragstory.com. That has all of our course offerings as well as a ton of really great freebies. So again, if you're not looking to make the monetary investment right now, um, there's lots of great resources there that you can download for free. Um, And then for the podcast, um, I'll let Natalie jump in. Yeah, our podcast, as you mentioned, um, is Discover Ag. We're available um, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. So it's just type in Discover Ag. We'd love to have you there. Like Tara said, it's um, we really give you know our female millennial opinions on everything that's going on in the ag and food space. It's a lot of fun conversations, um, but I think really like helpful and beneficial conversations too. It really keeps you up in what's going on in the news and food space. So we launch every Thursday and we would love to have you guys tune in um, and listen and connect with us there. Perfect. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. you too. a lot of energy there, Delaney, which is fun to see, especially when we're trying to continue to educate all of the nation and the world to an extent on what we do here in agriculture. So another good conversation for us to have today. It certainly is. And a good Friday episode, Tanner, a little lighter for our listeners as we head into the weekend. That's right. But hopefully everybody has a chance to enjoy their family and enjoy their farm. But for today, today, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.